uh, and it's full of great stuff, and we've been going through it over the last four or five weeks, and we're finishing it off today with chapter four. Uh, so I'm going to read to us uh, Philippians chapter four, verses one to twenty. Then, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I played with Udiah and I played with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true friends, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice! Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you rene renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Yet it is good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet, you, meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, this chapter, Paul talks about rejoicing. In fact, he actually repeats himself. He says, let me say it again, rejoice. Uh, and this actually isn't the first time in this letter that Paul has instructed this church to have joy or rejoice. As a matter of fact, in, in, in the entire book of Philippians, uh, Paul uses the word joy or rejoice 20 times. It's only four chapters long. That's like five times a chapter. I did the maths. You can do it yourself. Uh, that's a lot about having joy and rejoicing. So I'm interested to hear, what are some of the other things uh, in life that bring us joy? I'm going to shout out some of the things that bring you joy that aren't, of course, 
Jesus. This is apart from Jesus. We're assuming that. We're going to go into that later. I want to hear what other things in life bring us joy. Ice cream and family from the same family. <laughs> you know what's best? If you have it together. Ice cream with your family. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I had some, some good ice cream the other day. It was very nice. I also have a nice family. Should point that out as well. <laughs> Two things. Blue skies and 22 degrees. Blue skies and 22 degrees. Yep. <laughs> the crows were in last night. Yep. It was, uh, yep. I I, we have no internet and no free-to-air TV, so I couldn't watch it. Um, but that's all right. Uh, I, I was watching the scores. And, yeah. Other things? The ocean. Yes. Lovely. I can think of something else that a few people in the room. Yeah. Well, yes, babies, but I was thinking more coffee. Uh, <laughs> coffee definitely brings me joy. Uh, I, have, I have a sign. It's in one of the boxes, and it says, uh, Coffee and Jesus. Uh, and it sits proudly in my living room. A few people have pointed out to me that it might actually be the wrong way around that actually perhaps Jesus should be at the top. And, you know, th th there's something in that. But gosh, can I appreciate Jesus much more once I've had a coffee, let me tell you. Uh, these things are all good things, right? We've, uh, we've highlighted some very good gifts from God that do, in fact, bring us great joy. Uh, the problem that we have is not that we get to enjoy these gifts, is that sometimes we elevate these gifts to being the ultimate source of joy, the ultimate source of comfort and of peace and of satisfaction in life. Paul wants us, he wants the Philippians to know that in Christ they have everything they need. He wants to actually take them through and actually help them to see that their joy needs to be found in Christ and in Christ alone. Uh, and there are three key elements of what kind of Paul's going to explore. This is kind of the, the chapter where he kind of lands a lot of things, right? This is his last chance to be able to impart advice and wisdom to this church in Philippi. Uh, and he's got three main things to say, and they're all about what we have in Christ or who we can be in Christ. Uh, and the three things he wants to tell this church are to stand firm in the Lord, to rejoice in the Lord, and to be content in the Lord. And so that's what he's going to really nail, that's what I'm going to be looking at, uh, and what we're going to be spending a bit of time kind of going through uh, today. So the first one that I want us to talk about is standing firm in the Lord. It's in verses 1 to 3 of Philippians chapter 4. But before I get into it, one of the interesting things that happens at Philippians chapter 4 verse 1 is that it starts with this word. It starts, Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 says, therefore. Now that's interesting, because clearly we're coming in partway through a conversation. Uh, it'd kind of be like coming in to a conversation and somebody saying, therefore, we're going to have to demolish the kitchen. Sorry? What? What? Why? What's happening here? Like, I feel like there's a conversation which happened here that I'm, I must have missed something. But it's interesting that sometimes when we come to the Bible, we don't have the same natural instinct. 
And so we, we hear something like, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And we go, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, stand firm, yeah. But we, we, we've missed part of the conversation. We've missed the reason for standing firm. We've missed what it's about. And even it says, stand firm in this way, in what way? So I think it's important that before we unpack too much more of this standing firm in the Lord, we've got to look at the motivation or the reason behind it. And so we're going to go back to the end of chapter 3, uh, which I didn't actually speak on when we spoke on chapter 3, so it's good that we're covering it now. Uh, let me read to you uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 to 20, 21. For, as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with it is, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, the things that we were talking about earlier, those things that bring us joy. That's, that's all that they are set towards, and set towards uh, getting as much of as they possibly can. Paul continues, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We need to stand firm in the Lord because of the hope that we have, because of what God is going to do, because of our salvation and our future as being sure and stable. We can know our eternal destination and that should impact how we live out Today, knowing what the future is will help us to continue to stand firm now. It reminds me of, uh, like, I'm a parent, but my kids are a little bit older now, and so I've got some references from, like, children's movies, but they're at least, like, five years, ten years older now. Uh, but one of the movies that my kids love watching when they were younger uh, and I secretly love as well, is a movie called The Incredibles. Uh, has anyone here seen the movie The Incredibles? Yes, great movie, Mr. Incredible. Uh, at the beginning of the first one, they've got this great footage where it's like they've got like these pretend interviews where they're interviewing the main characters and they're interviewing the, the main protagonist, the strongest man, Mr. Incredible. And he says this very interesting line, uh, which is stuck with me. He says, no matter how many times you save the world, it goes and gets itself in jeopardy again. I just want the world to stay saved. Is that too much to ask? It's his frustration. He saves the world and it just goes and gets itself in danger again. A new villain rises. And that's the difference with Jesus. The typical superhero arc we see in movies today is that the, the superhero comes in and saves the person to danger and then takes them and leaves them in a place, but then they get themselves in danger or more problems arise. Or sometimes we're seeing some of these uh, film writers or directors kind of getting the nuances that perhaps some of the things that they did in averting the first issue is actually had a knock-on effect in causing more problems later down the track. That's very different 
to what Jesus has done. Jesus, what He did for us, what we celebrate next weekend, was a one-time thing for all time, to earn us forgiveness and salvation forever. I love how Hebrews puts it in Hebrews 9 verse 28. It says, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, right? he's, he's, He saved us. doesn't turn, need to turn up again to deal with another problem, but He's going to turn up to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. That's what we stand firm in. That's our future. It is secure. It is sure. Having a conversation with my kids the other day, and they're like, how do we know that Jesus is going to come back? It's been so long. Like, how, do, how can we be sure this is going to happen? It's like, well, every other promise that the Bible's made that can be fulfilled has been fulfilled. When I look at the Bible and I look at the promises that God makes and I see how Jesus fulfills each and every single one of them, when there's a promise that He's going to come back, I'm like, well, His track record is amazing and I can have confidence that it's going to happen because He doesn't break His promises, He doesn't let you down. It's sure, it's certain and that is our hope and that is what we can stand firm in. It's interesting, we're not standing firm in us or in our ability, we're standing firm in the Lord. And that's the key to everything that happens in Philippians chapter 4. It's the key to everything in our life. We're not standing firm in our efforts. We're standing firm in the Lord. Paul then continues in verse 4 to say the second thing. So, stand firm in the Lord was the first. The second is rejoice in the Lord. So, I mentioned this is already a a theme which Paul explores a lot through his letter to the church in Philippi, and he really nails it down in these verses when he starts with, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Uh, amazing words. Uh, I think for me, some of these words are a little bit, I don't want to say tainted, but I, uh, when I was young, I heard some really unhealthy unhelpful sermons about these verses. Do not be anxious about anything. So, these words were used when I was younger to suggest that Christians shouldn't struggle with mental illnesses, like depression and anxiety. Let me be very clear that, that, that this isn't what these verses are saying. It'd be like taking that verse from Isaiah and saying, uh, young men will uh, not grow weary or faint, and going, well, if, if you grow weary, well, you're, you're not having enough faith. No, that's, that's not what those verses are about, and that's not what these verses are about either. It's stupid. It, it's moronic to suggest that from these verses. Mental health struggles are real, and they require, actually, a multifaceted response. And to downplay them or to suggest that you don't have enough faith, I actually think is not just unhelpful, uh, is actually just not what the Bible is saying. These verses do, however, provide us some release and relief when things aren't going to plan. 
Again, it comes back to what we are rejoicing in. What is the source of our joy? Uh, This rejoicing is not simply a feeling of being happy. This joy is about actively choosing to turn our attention to Christ. And I turn this way because the big cross is on the wall here, and that, I think, is one of the things that reminds me and gives me joy. As I look upon this, as we celebrate what we're going to be celebrating next weekend, this is where that joy comes from. It comes from remembering who Jesus is and what He has done for us. What He has done for us and what He will continue to do for us. Last week, Matt came and spoke to us uh, about prayer, and he spoke about this same sort of thing, a pattern he described to us from, from Psalm 77. Rather than just looking at our problems and trying to just pray through this and just almost more just venting to God, to actually turn our attention and actually be reminded of God's goodness, of His faithfulness, of His love, of all the amazing things that He has done for us. When we look at the deeds of the Lord, it helps put things in perspective. It helps us to be able to rejoice, not because of the things that we're going through, not because things are going easily. Things might be completely out of order. Things might be really difficult. But we have a God who died, who is stronger than death, and was able to rise back to life, and now promises us eternal life. When we fix our eyes on that, it's hard not to have joy. It's hard not to let that joy, when we, when we truly get it, when we truly let that truth sink into us, that I don't, I don't deserve that. And yet, because of His love for me, He endured the cross, and He rose back to life, wiping the slate clean, giving me His righteousness and the certainty of eternal life. And you know what? Paul isn't writing this from a purely theoretical perspective. He is writing to the Philippians from a Roman prison. Now, it's not going to be like modern prisons, which is not a nice place to be. It's a Roman prison. He's quite literally in chains as he writes or perhaps narrates or dictates what this letter says. Rather than visiting and strengthening the churches he would love to be doing, and he talks about that he would love to be visiting this people, he actually sits in this jail awaiting a trial before Caesar. Church history has it that this is actually how Paul meets his end. Tradition holds that the emperor Nero publicly executes Paul, presumably not long after this letter is written. So when Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always, let me say it again, rejoice, he's not speaking as one who's just talking about some theoretical thing, he's living this. His circumstances are horrific, and yet he is able to rejoice, not because of what's going on around him, but because of who his God is, and what his God has done for him, and what his God will do for him. I'm like, uh, I felt this, and so it, Paul, he says, rejoice in the Lord and something will happen. He says, as you turn and you fix your eyes on what Jesus has done, 
and will do, the peace of the Lord, let me read it, uh, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. I'm not sure if you've ever experienced this. Have you ever, have a show of hands, put your hands up if you've ever experienced this peace, when things are completely not necessarily in order, as things aren't going to plan, but you feel a sense of peace when you remember what God has done. Let's show of hands, who's, who's experienced that before in their life? Yeah, it's a pretty incredible thing. It doesn't always happen. I remember we've had a bit of experience over the last few months, moving from, from New South Wales uh, over here to South Australia. Uh, there's been some, some moments where things haven't quite gone to plan. Uh, we, we sold our house on the New South Wales south coast, uh, and we picked up and we loaded a car full of a backpack, well, not like a small suitcase, carry-on luggage each, uh, and our dog, uh, and we got in the car and we drove from where we were to Adelaide. Uh, and we thought, we'll find a house in uh, a couple of weeks, we'll be moved in, then our stuff will arrive. We gave ourselves a bit of extra time, like three or four weeks we had, plenty of time, right? Uh, for those who know the story, uh, we moved into our house uh, last weekend, uh, I think about 11, 12 weeks after we moved from New South Wales, things didn't go according to my plan. Things didn't go how we thought. Uh, I, I wear a new jumper in front of you guys, like this one? It was in storage. Uh, it's, it's nice to have some more clothes rather than just the one suitcase that I took around. But there were times over the past couple of months where I think I've experienced this peace, when I've actually been reminded that this isn't just us moving interstate on a whim. Both Laura and I felt a call upon us from God. We felt that God was calling us to Adelaide, to Glen Osmond Baptist Church. And so we actually just wanted to go where He was calling us. And if He was calling us and actually leading us and guiding us, then He had something for us. He wouldn't do that and then leave us with nothing. It didn't go <laughs> the way I wanted, it didn't go the way I had planned, but it the way he had planned. And he had it. And whenever I was stressed or feeling overwhelmed by the circumstance, I would remind myself of who our God is. The God who spoke everything into existence is the God who calls me from New South Wales to Adelaide and can provide immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. That's the God that we worship. That's the God that we serve. And as we turn and we see the works of the Lord, as we turn and see what He's done for us, it gives us joy and peace because we see who our God truly is. Rejoice in the Lord and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Stand firm in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. The third one, be content in the Lord. Being content is not something that our society <laughs> does particularly well. The whole marketing industry has been created to try and convince us not to be content. You need our products. For your life to be complete and full, you need whatever it is that we're selling. My favorite ad when I was younger was uh, one for Colorbond Roofing. 
and, and they, they needed to create this sensation for people that their life would be complete. I'm not sure if you remember these ads, but there was this guy, and he was going out to his uh, letterbox to get the, the newspaper that had been thrown out, and he kind of walked out, he picked up, and he, he turned around, and he saw his colorbond roof, and he just stopped, and he stared, and then it kind of panned out, and it was in his underpants, uh, and he was, had a neighbor walking past that was waving at him. He's like, oh, uh, he's got so wrapped up in the beauty and how satisfying his life was now that he had a color bond roof. Right? We, don't, we don't do enough well. It's interesting. There's actually some people that have actually started to notice this. One of the books that I read when I was younger uh, was a book written by a guy called Oliver James called Affluenza kind of a combination of influenza and affluence, saying we've got this disease where we seek affluence. Uh, Oliver James isn't a Christian, but he's able to see that there's an issue with our society, with modern life that constantly desires more. A bigger, better whatever. A bigger, better car, better house, bigger, better boat. Not necessarily maybe a bigger, better spouse, but you get the idea, right? This is what our world wants. We want the next thing. The grass is always greener on the other side. Once you get this, the problem is that people will have those, but they just are looking at the next thing, and then the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. It goes on and on and on. And the end conclusion uh, that Oliver James comes to is, well, it... uh, it left me wanting a bit, to be honest with you, because his, his end suggestion was just want less, settle more. Don't shoot as high in life, and that way you won't be constantly chasing more. And there's something in that, but I feel like what Paul says is so much richer when he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in what? In want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. It's actually not about our circumstances. The secret to contentment is to actually take our eyes off our stuff to take our eyes off our circumstance, to take our eyes off everything that's going on in our lives and once again, focus on the Lord, on who He is, on His works and what He has done for us and what the future holds for us, what He promises that is sure and secure. That is what the secret to being content is in the Lord is. It's not actually about our stuff and what we've got. Well, it is, (laughs) right? But it's not about material possessions. It's about that we have the Lord. We have a relationship with the God of the universe who loves us so much that He was willing to step into our world, to come into the mess of things, to experience the messiness of life, the chaos, the disorder, to actually end up being crucified and dying on a cross for us, to take our place, to take our punishment, to be able to bring us eternal life. 
being raised back to, to life, showing that he has power over death. Stand firm, rejoice, and be content in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Be content in the Lord. As we turn and as we see, as we take our eyes off the things that are going on, like Paul did, sitting in that Roman prison, as he encouraged the Philippian church to, with everything that was going on for them in a world that was becoming increasingly oppressive towards the Christian faith. And for us in Adelaide, it is the same thing that we need to do. We need to recapture the vision of who God is and what He has done for us and what He will do. The certainty and the security of that. What we have, what we need, what we have in common with Paul, what we have in common with the church in Philippi, is that we need to tear our eyes of the things of this world, our situation, our circumstances, and we need to focus on our Lord and our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the book of Philippians. Thank you for all the amazing pieces of wisdom that Paul has. I want to pray that you'll help us to be able to find our identity, to know that we are citizens of heaven, to be able to be informed by who you are and what you have done for us. That we will be able to stand firm in the Lord. We'll be able to rejoice in the Lord and be content in the Lord, knowing how much you have done for us and that will fill our lives and our hearts. Amen. I think what we're going to be doing now, I'm just going to find it. Yep, we've got a few minutes until we're going to be uh, hearing from the kids and seeing some of what's going on. Uh, and I thought it'd be a great time to be able to spend a bit of time as a community just praying together, praying for some of the stuff that's going on in our lives. Uh, Matt spoke about it last week. We actually get to bring all of our requests to our God. And when we remember what Jesus has done for us, as we remember how incredible our God is, who has the power to do everything, we can know that... And then to remember that he invites us into his throne room to bring us our requests, to bring him our requests, to bring him the stuff that's on our hearts. That's an incredible privilege. And so uh, I thought we'd spend a bit of time uh, doing that. Are there any things that people, is going on in people's lives that people would like prayer for? They don't have to be big things. I know sometimes 